Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Welcome to our January edition of the show. Here's my goal. In January, I'm going to do more pods per week. I haven't determined like a number or anything, but it'll be more. And the idea is that I'm going to do more shorter pods and they'll be more choices for you and subject matters that you like or guests that you like. The guest episodes are probably still going to be long or long, longish with good interviews, but I'm going to try to not be as um, loquacious when it comes to subject matters that I want to get in on unless I want to go long on a particular subject. I don't know if today will be that day, but the goal is to give you a little bit more of less, if that makes sense. And that's where I wanted to start today. The score's birthday is January 2nd. We get an opportunity to celebrate it every year. And I wanted to tell you a little bit, if you don't know the story, and I guess there are people who, you know, you tell the story, and then there are more people who maybe follow you or join you and they want to know what the story is. And sometimes it's a little more difficult to find some of that stuff. So if you care, I thought I would tell you how I ended up there and how I've been there <laughs> since 1998. Wow. So back when I was in high school, I had a, a really terrible ankle injury playing basketball. Like, just absolutely shredded my ankle when I was playing at HF. And I was in a cast for a really long time. And it it honestly like, kind of crushed my hopes of, not that I, I thought that I really, well, that's not true. 
it really put a, a a damper on my hopes of being an athlete of any repute. I came from a really successful baseball program as a little leaguer. I was in Jackie Robinson West. We won state. And, you know, it's it's the, the big fish in a small pond thing. I went to a very small Catholic school on the south side growing up, and I did really well, and whether it was JRW or Junior Olympics or the south side Catholic League as a 7th and 8th grader, I felt like I could compete with almost anybody. You get out to HF where things are really, really competitive, and you find out, oh, well, you're going to have to step your game up if you're going to compete in a place like this. And eventually, like once I got healthy from the ankle injury and healthy from Crohn's, I did all right. And both those things play a big role in how I ended up at the score. It's a strange thing. When I got sick, once they figured out it was Crohn's, and, like, the whole thing was really terrifying because no one knew what was going on with me. I had gone from being really healthy and lifting weights and playing sports and all this stuff to, I think, at the time... I think at the time that I was finally, like, diagnosed, I was down to, like, 89 pounds. You know, it was really scary. Like, they had no idea what was going on. And then finally, they're like, oh, we think you might have this. And they wanted to do the first surgery that I had. They wanted to do that in the summer of 92. But I had to gain weight just to, they wouldn't operate on me if I wasn't over 100 pounds. So they put me, uh, uh, it's so funny, like when I see commercials and stuff for Insure, it takes me back to like pounding Insure (laughs) to to just kind of put weight on just so I could have and survive the surgery. And then you go through recovery. And the recovery was weird. You know, I was on steroids for a big portion of it. Prednisone, which is an awful, awful little drug, but also very effective. It, the, the one thing that I, I laugh about with prednisone, like I didn't have any real, I mean, I had the side effects that a lot of people who take steroids are on. Like my face got puffy, so like my... My senior year pictures are just disgusting. <laughs> like they don't look at me, look like me at all. Um, the other thing was my hair straightened out like something terrible. And maybe one of these days I'll do like a before and after. Like if you see my pictures, sophomore and junior year, my hair looks completely different than how it looked my senior year, and pretty much beyond that. There's, I think there was one point in college when my hair, like the texture of my hair went back to normal. I think that was the sophomore year of college. My hair was like being back super curly. I know you're sitting there going, what the hell? I thought we were talking about the score. Let me get to it. A huge reason why I ended up at the score 
was because of the football coach at home of Flossmore High School, a man named John Wren, who I, to this day, admire, and I've told him this. I hope that he understands. Like, I've literally gone to go visit him and tell him how important he's been to my life. And there are great coaches that do this, but this wasn't, this wasn't like on-the-field stuff. Coach Wren used to teach P.E., and he used to teach a class called Adaptive P.E., which, in thinking about it, like, for, like, 1991, 1992, it's pretty incredible that HF had something like this. So, basically, Adaptive P.E. was, if you couldn't participate in regular, and I'm using air quotes, gym class, there was adaptive PE. So you you would do stuff like you would be active and it would be like physically active, but I had it when I tore up my ankle and I was in a cast for a really long time. I can't really be running or ice skating or anything like that, but you could lift weights and you could, you could do upper body stuff. And um, it, it was just like a really cool thing to have available to you as someone who was either hurt or sick. And recovering from this surgery, I mean, my goodness, you know, there wasn't a lot that you can do when they take out a huge portion of your colon and and then put you back together. It takes a while to heal up from something like that. The surgery that I had in 2012 was a lot easier for me because I knew what to expect. And I think I went back to work three weeks after the 2012 surgery. But that's not why you called. So... In adaptive PE, you know, Coach Wren kind of knew what was going on with me, and he took great care of me. You know, he he started me on, like, once I was, like, healthy enough to kind of do, like, a little bit of weight training, like, he helped me with that. And eventually, you know, I, I got better, I was healed up, and I was able to do more. But the reason that that he's part of the story of the score and me is because he would he would listen to the score and he knew that I was interested in broadcasting and I was doing when I couldn't play I was doing play by play and my mother got me involved in the radio station because I was so upset that I couldn't do stuff for a long period of time and he said to me he's like there's this radio station and all they do is talk about sports. And so when I was in class, when I was in adaptive PE, Coach Wren would listen to the score. And he told me, he said, you know, one of these days you could do this. And it was so wild that... Six years later, I started my journey at the score. Like, that's, it's, the whole thing to me is banana pants. And I owe John Wren a, a real debt of gratitude. And I, I, I feel like I've told him that, but if you're someone who's in the HF community and, and 
you know Coach Ren and you want to alert him to this episode, feel free. It's it's strange how some of this stuff like comes to pass that just the suggestion from a, a trusted teacher and coach helped figure out what I wanted to do as a career. So I owe him a huge debt. I'll try to get through this fairly quickly, and I know that I'm going through you know, 25 years of my relationship with this radio station um, in a, in a, in a kind of hasty way. But like I told you, I don't want you to have to spend too much time listening if I'm going to be doing this more often. I've been thinking a lot about the beginning. And maybe that means that I'm closer to the end. I'm halfway through my contract. And I'll do a whole episode on that too. And so I've been thinking a lot about where that journey began and what it's been all about for me. When I first got to the score, I was a part-time producer, which was great. I had, there was so much competition to be good at the score. I was dealing with producers like Matt Spiegel and Dan Zampillo, Matt Fishman, Jonathan Hood. It was a really competitive environment. Jesse Rogers. We were all producers at the same time. And you had to pick up on things very quickly. You had to prove your mettle and you had to be available and I was talking to a friend about like some of the sacrifices like early on where I made sure that I was close so that if anyone needed someone to fill in, whether as a producer or as a host, because once we went 24 hours at the score, like there was a need for people to work overnight as we were growing. I think a lot about the beginning for me now, especially because we have Jared Payton on semi-regularly. I think we have Jared on like every 10 days or something weird like that. One of the first jobs that I had, and trying to explain this to people is also wild. One of the first jobs that I had was as the phone producer, the associate producer of the Walter Payton show. And as you can imagine, like starting my career in 1998, it made for some great times of being around Walter Payton and like damaging sad times, watching your hero deteriorate in front of your eyes. It was so weird to walk down the hallways and Walter Payton was there and Norm Van Leer was there and Doug Buffone was there and with and Dan Jiggets was there quite honestly like like I see I knew who Dan Jiggets was like seeing him and being there with him 
was a wild thing and his relationship with Walter Payton and the station having Walter Payton on every week. Walter Payton used to take calls on the score. Can you believe that shit? And I was the person who was screening the phone calls for Walter Payton. And I think about like the value of that now. And then like being able to follow Jarrett and his high school career. Jarrett was like this prodigy soccer player. And he ends up playing football, but he he was the stories you would hear about what Jarrett was like as a soccer player are amazing. But I think about the beginning a lot and what it's meant. You know, I'm I'm 48 now. And when the score began, you know, I'm I'm 30, I'm I'm 16. I'm 15, 16 years old. That's a lifetime, man. Like that's a lifetime. Almost my entire adult life has been at this place. And I've done like multiple jobs at it. And I'm really proud of almost all of the work that I've done. There's some stuff that I'd like to have back, as many people would. But I feel like on the whole, it's I'm a net positive for my time at the score. I've learned a lot. I've, I feel like I've grown a lot as a person because of this place and the challenges of it. And honestly, like to be real honest with you, sometimes feeling slighted because you feel like maybe you're the person who should be given the next opportunity and you don't get it. And what does that do to you? Or you, or like me, like you fail at being given an opportunity like the Hampton Holmes show. I ran into Hamp last week and it just made me smile. Like I saw him, I got a big old hug from him and he's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Over at NBC Sports Chicago. And I was telling him that I was hosting the the football show there, the Football Night in Chicago show. And he just laughed. And I was telling him how much I really appreciated what he is trying to do for Mongo. That And honestly, all in my opinion, all Hamp is doing is being a great friend. But that's hard. The way that I'm talking about Walter Payton, I wasn't Walter's teammate. I mean, he knew me and I knew him, but I wouldn't say that we were friends and I was still destroyed by his death. If you're Dan Hampton, he was your teammate and your friend. And now he's seeing another teammate, another friend deteriorate in a way that's really scary. But I appreciate that he gets the band together and the band goes and plays for Mongo. And it's a really beautiful thing. And it's, it's the Hamp that I know. I know other people know a different version of Hamp. And I am not here to tell you that you are wrong. All I know is that the guy who takes his guitar to go sing to Mongo, that's the guy that I saw every single day 
That's how, since I met Hamp in person, I've been treated by him, whether we were on Channel 5 or we were on the score together. I really, I really, really loved the energy of the score when it, when I first got there. Like, I, I can't go back to the beginning of the station because I just, I was 16, 15, whatever, when it started. But I interacted with a bunch of the originals because I was there six years later, and a lot of them were still there. And you learn a lot. You learn a lot. I look up, and I see that Speaks is hosting the afternoon show, and that's crazy. And Jonathan is doing well over at the other place, and all the folks that come in afterwards. Like, like we knew at 19 that Jason was special. Anyone who tells you that they didn't see what's happened with his career is lying to you. Back then, I used to call him the phenom because it didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense that this 19-year-old kid already knew how to do everything and had such a, like, like, he wanted so much to to know everything that he could know. And you're like, wow, like this guy is he's got the all the stuff. And trying to figure out who you are on the air and like what your persona is. I talk with my students about this all the time. I feel like being authentic is really important, but I also think that when you're on the air, you're an amplified version of yourself. Like you're you're that's why like the concept of being on you turn yourself up to 10 or 11 when you're you're on the air and for the most part you stay at 10 for the whole time that you're on the air. It's a strange thing and people don't quite understand it, but it's why after a show it's why I'm dumb after a show. It's why I'm exhausted after a show. Because even though I spent the last four hours being Lawrence, I am at the amplified version of myself. And the amplified version of myself, it's... All right, let me... Uh, can I make a comic book reference? Would that be okay? You know the scene in Infinity War where Thor holds open the the eye the iris and takes the energy of a star that's me every day i take on the energy of a star and then i collapse <laughs> i absolutely collapse at the end of the show you should hear the way i talk to ray after shows cuz ray's like well what do you want to do tomorrow and i'm like i don't know and then, like, usually about an hour later, I'll be like, okay, here's what we should do tomorrow. But immediately after the show, I am useless. I can do nobody any good. And you you get that from, like, you know, you take 
a little bit of all the people that you worked for or saw work. Like, I feel like, I know I'll leave people out in this, but bear with me. There are things that you should take and things that you shouldn't take. And I'll just try to lay out, like, some of the things that you do take. You take the humanity of someone like Dan Jiggets. You take the energy of Mike North. You take the audio creativity of Mike Murphy. You take the attention to detail in production of Dan McNeil. You take the love of sport of Doug Buffon. You try to take the cool of Norm Van Leer. You take the righteous indignation of Dan Bernstein. You take the everyman vibe of a guy like Brian Hanley. You try and add all of that up, like the writing skills of a George Offman. The I don't give a bleep of a David Schuster. You take all of that and you try to add it to what is the thing that makes you unique. The freedom of Terry Boars. I'm still searching for that. I'm scared of that type of freedom on the air. It's one of the things I I admire so much about Terry. That and the fact that, you know, there are a lot of people, and rightly so, that give a lot of credit to the growth of the score. Like, Like, in their mind, when you say the score, you think of Mike North, and I understand why. I will just tell you that as that, like, second generation of score people. Our guy is Terry Boers. Whether you're talking to, you know, Speegs or Jason, I guess Jason would technically be third, like the third generation guy. Like he would probably be the start of the third generation of guys. But the way that Terry Boers used to treat us He already had a name, you know, like the score wasn't what made Terry. Like he was a big time columnist before he even got to the score. But the way that he would treat us and even to this day, we had lunch with dinner with Terry a a few months ago, back in the summertime. I think it was August. And it was like the nicest thing and it was completely unnecessary we're at Mr. Benny's out in Mokina, which is, I wish you could have heard what Terry said about that place at Mr. Benny. It was fucking hysterical. But he's, because he knew everyone there, he's introducing the table. And it was me, Dan, and, and Russ Matera, who's been there since day one. Mitch Rosen, obviously, like bringing us all together as per usual. Goff was there, and and Terry says he introduces me and Jason to the server, and he goes, those two guys? Oh, those two guys can do whatever they want. They're that good. He doesn't have to say that ever. 
His, literally, his jersey is retired at the score. We like it was, as you walk into the studio, there's Terry Boer's way. As you walk into the score studios, he doesn't have to say that, and he said that for forever. Whether it's me or Jason or Zampillo or Tannehill, he didn't. He didn't put limits on what we could be. He chose to see the best versions of us. And I think that, I don't mean to speak for everyone else, but I think that that is, that is something that we all took a lot of pride in. If Terry believes in you, then who are you not to believe in yourself? I know that's one of the things that drove me. I guess I'm not doing very well on the whole, this, these episodes are supposed to be shorter than other episodes thing. But I'll land the plane, and then you can move on with your life. I never thought, especially in an industry like ours, where it's so volatile. And the volatility is still out there. Like, I'm not stupid. I've been... Saving like a miser to to be ready for the inevitable, you know, when I leave the industry or the industry leaves me type thing. I'm very happy that this has been what I've chosen to do, and I'm shocked. <laughs> the fact that as it stands right now, there is only one person on air and another person in the building that have been at the score longer than I have. That person is my partner, Dan, and the other person is Russ Matera. That's it. That's the list of people who have been at the score longer than I have. And to say that while being under 50 years old means a lot to me, and it means a lot to me that I've had the chance to like work with incredible producers and people that I think really get it. I, mean, the, I joke about this all the time. Like if I'm Captain America, another Marvel reference, if I'm Captain America, Joe Ostrowski is Sam and Herb Lawrence is Bucky. Working with those guys, working with Tannehill, working with Roki, working with Tony Gill. It's been a great place, and I have felt there have been times when I've been angry at our place and times I've been embarrassed by stuff that I've done and that the station has done. And there are times where I've been incredibly proud of the journey of what the score has been. And the fact that it's funny how it happens where the score start, starts out as the outlaw. Like, here's this station that everyone thought was going to fail. And the downfall of the score has been going on since it began. And those guys that were there early on will tell you the stories about it. 
Terry, in, in, in his book, in Terry's book, he writes about it. Everyone thought it was going to fail. And now the score is the establishment. How wild is that? Now when there's, there are people who are putting together podcasts or you know, CHGO pops up, or even like our battles with 1000, like we're the established brand. Everyone's working off of what we do and go, well, we're different from them. Even though in a lot of cases, those places are, uh, are populated by people who were popular on the score. Like I look over at CHGO and I'm like, damn right, Herb Lawrence is over there as an authority on the White Sox. And Jay Zawoski is a, an authority on the Blackhawks. And Adam Hogue is an authority on the Bears. I know, I know where they were trained because I played a role in training all three of them. And to see their success is amazing. And those are the things that when I really look at what this has been, for me personally and for hopefully for Chicago sports fans and people who love radio and that's and I'm one of those geeky kids. I'm I'm one of those geeky kids that grew up listening to Stephen Gary and Johnny B and Tom Joyner and Doug Banks and the Hot Mix Five and all of these incredible radio personalities as a kid to now know that there are at least two generations of people, which scares the hell out of me, that have been listening to me do radio for 25 years in one capacity or another and there's been at least some influence. So a big thanks to the score for what's been my life's work. And who knows how long that's going to last. And this isn't like, Lord's just threatening to leave the score. No, I, in a year and a half, I might just say that I want to go do something different. Or Ryan Porth and Mitch might say, why don't you just stay? And I'll go, yeah, it makes sense to stay. Who knows? Maybe I'll go sit on a mountain somewhere, just hang out for a while. And then I'm like teaching classes at Northern Arizona University or something. That actually might be dope now that I think about it. Thanks for indulging me. For those of you who have grown up listening to the score, we thank you for your patronage. And... For those of you that just jumped on and now you get to hear voices like Layla Rahimi and Marshall Harris and Big Aunt Heron and Gabe Ramirez, like as we grow as a radio station, I appreciate you too. Thanks for keeping us honest and thanks for keeping us on. I have another pod soon. I don't know about what. Maybe maybe I'll do the Aaron Rodgers thing. He's so weird. And I can't tell if it's an act anymore. I feel like he's gone like Andy Kaufman deep with the act. I don't know if he can ever get out. He's trapped inside his own mind. I'll talk to you next time. Peace.
editor's note. I should have mentioned when I was talking about the things that you throw into a pile, like into a stew, I should have mentioned the absolute undying, unflinching love for the medium and for sports of Julie Swika. I wanted to mention that too because she was a huge influence on me. And people still ask, where's Julie? She's out making, like, delicious desserts. But, yeah, just wanted to say that. Bye! Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.